So we're going to go straight into the word. So today I'm going to speak about Philip, the faithful witness. And I'm going to read uh, from Acts chapter 6, um, 1 through 6. And this is just an introduction of how we meet Philip in Scripture. The first time we encounter this man who is named Philip. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed amongst the Greek-speaking believers, the, the Hellenists, towards the Hebrew-speaking believers, because their widows were being discriminated against in daily food lines. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples and said to them, it wouldn't be good, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So, friends, choose seven men among you whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we will assign them to this task. Meanwhile, we will stick to our assigned tasks of prayer and speaking God's word. The congregation thought it was a great idea, so they went ahead and chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicona, Timon, uh, Panemus, and, Nicol and Nicholas, a convent from Antioch. They were presented to the apostles, praying the apostles laid their hands and commissioned them for their tasks. And in this moment, we meet Philip. Um, I want to just maybe step back a bit and say last week we spoke about telling our story, witnessing for Jesus through our story. And today we are taking it a step further, witnessing for Jesus through opening scripture and speaking scripture in those situations of um, telling our story. And in our small groups this week, we're going to be looking at different ways. We're going to be looking at the Romans Road in our small group curriculum on how to share, script, how to share the gospel using the Romans Road. There are different ways of doing it. There are different scriptures that we can use, but we just chose that legal sample. You can go ahead and study more other ways, and we want you to because we want you to know what other ways can you use scripture in speaking and telling the story of Jesus. It's amazing because the whole scripture is a story about Jesus anyway. So wherever you start, it works, and we'll see it here today with Philip. So we meet Philip, my favorite guy at this point, and when we meet Philip, he is being chosen to be a deacon. He is being chosen to be somebody who helps to serve at the tables. There is a complaint here. There is issues here. I've preached about Philip in the youth, and um, the youth know how I love Philip. He's my, yeah, he's my hero. But this guy is, is called here, and we see him being called and being appointed to be a deacon to help the widows, to help with those that I need. And what we see about him, we see that he's a man of good reputation. Because the Bible says, choose men that are of good reputation amongst you. He is full of the Holy Spirit. Just to serve at the tables, he is full of the Holy Spirit. We spoke in the last few weeks, I don't know how many times it's been emphasized that the Spirit of God empowers us to be witnesses. There is no way we can do it without the Spirit of God. There is Philip here. Just to serve at the tables, the Spirit of God is needed. Whatever service or ministry God has called you to, you cannot do it on your own. You need the Spirit of God. If you're going to do it to the glory of Jesus, you need the Spirit of God. And we see Philip here. He is, yeah, it says clearly, men that are filled with the Holy Spirit to do this work. 
It didn't say men that are full of miraculous works, but men that are full of the Holy Spirit. Men that are full of wisdom. And then they choose them, and they choose Philip. So I'm going to pause here, and I'll ask Owen to come up and read for me, and he's going to read for us the rest of Philip's story. I want us to read through the rest of Philip's story because I want us to get the sense of what is happening, but I'm going to stick on just a few points there, but I want us to just hear the whole story so we know what happens to Philip. And maybe you might figure out why I love Philip so much. Hearing and seeing the miracles he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man named Simon who had previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and he was baptized. And he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent Peter and John down to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray, God, that perhaps the thoughts of your heart might be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when, they, sorry, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages to the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south along the road which goes from, the, from Jerusalem to the desert. So, when he, so then he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, with great authority under Candace, the queen of all of the Ethiopians, who was charged with her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning. He was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he asked, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they commanded the chariot to stop and to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities that he came th- until he came to Caesarea. Amen. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken through your word. And I pray that as I go on to explain parts of this, Lord, that you would, uh, you would use that for me to hear your word and for the hearers to hear your word alike. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see Philip here and we meet him. Now he is in, he's got the whole chapter of chapter 8 associated to him. And he goes a step further. The believers had just stayed in Jerusalem and Judea. He goes a step further and he goes to Samaria. And we realize that persecution moved the church to move forward to go and witness in Samaria. Remember what Jesus had said last week to them? That they should go. X 1.8 Therefore you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses for me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Am I right? And they had not gone yet. And it happens that persecution happens and pushes some of them out. Philip is one of the first to go to Samaria and to preach Jesus in Samaria. He's one of the first to come out and do what he's been called to do. Remember, he had not been called for anything else, but he had been called to be a deacon, to serve at the tables. But he realizes that he has the need, he has a calling to be a witness. Whether he's a deacon or anything else, he has a calling to be a witness for Jesus. So he goes out to the city, and he is prompt, he obeys the Lord. Philip is prompt to obey. He wants to hear what God is saying and what God is doing. How obedient are we to the prompt to go. Philip is obedient. Philip takes that in whether it's in large ways or in small ways, he takes that and he goes with it. He goes and stands in front of crowds. He comes and speaks to just one person. Because of his obedience, God starts to use Philip. We see Philip speaking to Simon the sorcerer, who then becomes a believer. The person that everybody was saying, oh, he's the power of God. And Philip comes to the city and the city um, is changed. And there's a phrase that I love in that. I'll just throw it in for just the fun sake of it. It's there was joy. There was great joy in that city. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. But Philip does all those things because he's obedient on that small little thing. God expands his ministry. And I want to encourage you as you're sitting here today. You might be saying, no, I'm just called to be, um, I know that I've been called and assigned to be um, a greeter. I know I've been called and assigned to be um, an usher. I know I've been called and assigned to be a small group leader or a small group host or a children's church teacher or whatever. Yes, we are called to those things. But one call that is for every believer is to go and be witnesses. And Philip, knowing that he is called to do this, he still was obedient. And his obedience led him 
to his gifting being used by God in different ways. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. And it happens to Philip. So where I'm going to stick on to my favorite part is Philip going on and being at a place where he speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, 26 to 28, we hear that now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south um, along the road which goes down to Jerusalem and Gaza. This is a desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under the, king, the queen Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was running and sitting in his chariot. And was, was, so he was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The Lord says to him, it's, it's, the, high, it's the height of his ministry. It's in Samaria where everything, this is happening, and the Lord tells him, go. I've got someone that I want you to meet. Some of you might, might think, Philip is the man of the moment. This is the pivotal moment of his ministry. He is an essential minister to be there at Samaria at this time. Why would the Holy Spirit send him out for one person? In our minds, in our thoughts, it would be, that's weird. But because there is a thing, the wisdom of God is above our wisdom. God sends him and Philip obeys in going and leaving all this revival to go and meet this one person. He meets the Ethiopian eunuch. We hear that he was a rich man. He was a man of power. Maybe he was a celebrity. Philip realized that this man in his status needed Jesus as much as everybody else. Sometimes we are afraid to speak to people on one-on-one because of either their position or whatever their status is. We, f- we find ourselves afraid to have that one-on-one conversation about Jesus. Philip was obedient. He wasn't. This is an example of that. That person that might be coming into your head, into your mind now as I say that, some people that we are afraid to speak to, that person that is coming into your mind now might be a person that needs to hear about Jesus, is a person that needs to hear about Jesus. And Philip took the step and went and spoke to this guy. Philip went and spoke to the Ethiopian, and some scholars think that the Ethiopian, this Ethiopian eunuch was the first person to bring the gospel to Africa. Now you connect the dots. Why I like Philip? And, and realizing that and seeing that, this is a guy who had, just, who had just been called to just serve the tables. But he realized that I've got a greater calling, and my greater calling is to be a witness for Jesus. And Jesus takes that and makes him the first in Samaria and makes him the first in Africa. And there I am from Africa. Praise God for Philip's obedience. So I want to challenge you, you never know in your obedience with that small little thing what God is going to do with it. I want to challenge us as we walk and we want to be faithful witnesses to Jesus, our obedience will open doors that we never thought would be open. You might go to somebody that you've been afraid to speak to about Jesus and share the gospel with that person and the door opens that you never thought would ever open. There are times where I've stepped forward to some people, to speak to some people, and they're like, how did you know I needed to hear this? 
And all this time I've been dragging myself, do I really need to, do I really need to? And the moment I do it, and like, how did you know? And they are so receptive. Yes, there are times where you're going to go to somebody and they're not going to be receptive. It's not your problem. They're not being unreceptive to you, it's to Jesus. One of our greatest jobs as Christians, as believers, is to simply share the gospel and pray. We don't have to convince people. We don't have to have a huge argument with people about it. We share Jesus and pray for open doors. And then when the doors are open, we need to take the opportunity. It's easy to say, I'll pray at the back, and when the doors open and I step backwards, I'm afraid to get into that door. When you pray for an opportunity, God will give you an opportunity. And when that opportunity comes, I encourage you to step into it. Because when you step into it, you are stepping in obedience to what God has called you to do. So Philip steps into this obedience. We hear that Philip comes and he's running next to the chariot. I don't know how fit this guy was. I wish I was fit as him. He's running next to the, imagine running next to the horses and the chariot and this man is reading loud. It was normal at that time that somebody would take scripture and read it loud. The loud reading of scripture is an ancient thing. It's not something new that is scary. It's not something new that is coming with new age. No, the reading of scripture loud as a way of, uh, of, of being spiritually formed has been there forever. This man is sitting and he's reading. He's coming from worshiping in Jerusalem. He's a convert, most probably to the Jew- Judaism. He's reading in the book of Isaiah. And Philip runs next to him. And as Philip is running next to him, Philip asks him, do you understand what you are reading? He's not being offensive by saying, are you dumb? You don't understand this. No, our approach to people is very important. Philip approaches this man asking him, in not in an, in an offensive way, but in a way that is subtle but very gracious. Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? Philip does not then say, yeah, I can explain it to you. No, Philip waits for an invitation. Philip waits for the eunuch to say to him, come over. The Bible tells us then that the eunuch invited Philip into the chariot and sat with him. Sometimes it's very easy to go to people and bash them without the invitation. Pray and ask the Lord, open a door, Lord, and have me have an invitation to speak to people about Jesus. He had learned to wait when he was waiting at the tables. He had learned to care for people. Before we can preach and tell others about Jesus, it is important for us to realize that we need to have a heart that is caring for the people because they are, they are made in the image of God. When we care about people, we will know how to witness without offense to them. Yes, the, I know some of you are already thinking, yeah, but the Bible says that this word might be offensive to those that are perishing. Yes, it is. It is, whether you come in any other way, but when you love people, you will know how to speak to them in a way that they will hear you and they would not go... Some of us believers, the problem is that we have not loved the people. So we, we, we have not even gotten the right to speak to those people. And we've gone on and yep, 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 and they go because they don't want to hear us. We have sold ourselves short. And I want to encourage you 
that as we walk, as we do what we do, and, people, and we get opportunity to speak to people about Jesus, our main thing it should be our love for those people. We love them for Jesus. When we love people, we will know how to witness to them in a way that they will hear and understand. So he invites Philip in. And Philip then takes up the opportunity and he witnesses to this man from Scripture. I'll read this again. It says, the place, uh, this is Acts 8, 32 to 35. The place in Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before its sharer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, sorry, his justice was taken away. And who can declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip, I ask you, of whom does the prophet speak? Of himself or someone else or another man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture and preached Jesus to him. He began with this scripture. You have told your story and somebody has one, is wanting to know more after you've told your story. You then begin to open scripture and speak to them about scripture. There are scriptures that we, we learn and we walk with and they help us to share the gospel. But anyway, the story of the gospel, as I say, the story of Jesus is anywhere in the Bible. You can start anywhere. The scriptures that you're going to learn, learn this week are just a guide and a few scriptures are picked up to help see and help somebody who is studying. But you can start from anywhere because the whole Bible presents Jesus from beginning to the end. And I want to encourage you that as you start speaking to people about scripture, realize Philip here, this man is reading, he's reading Isaiah. And from that Isaiah, Philip begins to use that and to speak that and to point back to Jesus. The scriptures that we have are for us to be able to point back to Jesus. The word of God that we have, remember what, what, what John says, he was the word. He was from the beginning. The word points back to Jesus in whatever way. So I want to encourage you. You might be comfortable in telling your story and thinking, I don't know about going through scripture. It is important to go through scripture as it is important to tell your story. The combination of these two is amazing. The story opens the door to a conversation. Scripture lets you in the door to speak life into somebody else. So he speaks and he tells them about Jesus. And then the next thing that we see is the eunuch gets baptized. But before he gets baptized, he believes Again, we spoke about it last week, that the commandment that Jesus had given them was go and make disciples. And those that believe do what baptize them. Am I right? So we see that sequence here again. The, Ethiop the Ethiopian eunuch goes and he believes, and then he's baptized. And then if you look at it in Acts chapter 8, 36 to 38... It says, now when they went down to the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, 
If you believe with all your heart, you may. And this is the eunuch's answer. And the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down, and he got baptized in water. The eunuch is responding here when he says to him, there is some water, what stops me from being baptized? He's responding to the gospel. And his response is brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever think that people respond because of you or because what I have said or because what you have said. People respond because the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin. We are not called to convict people of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit does the work that moves people closer and moves people to repentance. So in saying that, I want you to take off the worry and the caring of the Lord of that I need to convince them. You don't need to. You share your story. You share scripture. God does the work. God does the work. So we see it here that the work of the Holy Spirit is what makes this person, this eunuch, come to the knowledge of God. It's not Philip's salesmanship. It's not his style. It's not his... He had no training in it. We don't hear that Philip sat down and had training. He had no training in it. But he knew his witness. He knew what had happened to him. And he was able to share that. So he says, see, here there is water. Let's get, let me get baptized. And he gets baptized. But if you realize Philip's um, answer to this man is that if you believe with all your heart, he says to them, if you believe with all your heart, then we may baptize you. And in that moment, the eunuch comes back and he gives his confession of faith. So when somebody has said yes, the next thing is, asking, is, real, is making sure that they believe in their heart. The belief in the heart is what saves. And then there is confession, which we find in Romans 10. Am I right? But then he says here, the confession of faith here is that he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He makes his confession of faith. But all this comes from Philip just being obedient to do what God has called him to do. When we believe, when somebody believes in the person, in the person of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done, when they believe that he is the Son of God, when they believe that God sent him, and they believe that with all their heart, they have been saved. And I want to encourage us as we go to speak to people. That's what happens. It's as simple as just telling a story, and the Holy Spirit does the work, and they believe. And when they believe, they are saved. What you need to do now is walking with them and making a disciple. So we hear then that the eunuch left there and went his way rejoicing. I love the, the idea of joy in these situations. First, we heard about joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. Um, the funny thing about this is that we, I had a, a pastor when I was growing up as a kid who loved to preach on this part of Samaria. And I don't know how many times he preached on this sermon. I don't know how many times he did it in my 
growing up, but each time the taiku was, there was great joy in the city. So each time I say that, it just reminds me that it makes me smile, that there was great joy in the city. But we see here that the Ethiopian walks away with joy, and the joy is not rooted on Philip, but the joy is rooted on what God has done in the Ethiopian's heart. When we tell people about Jesus, they experience great joy. They experience joy that they have never experienced. They walk away rejoicing after receiving Jesus. And that joy is founded on Jesus, not on us. Don't rob people of their joy by not telling them about Jesus. Don't rob people of experiencing this joy that you experienced when you receive Jesus. Knowing Jesus results directly to having joy. Joy is a result of knowing Jesus. That is why both times we see there was joy when they knew Jesus. So, we hear this, all this about Philip, but I want to as well zoom in a little bit on Philip's testimony himself. For 20 years, we hear nothing about Philip. They say the span, the scholars say in the span there before we hear again about Philip is 20 years. Nothing. This is the guy who had a great revival and was being used by the Spirit. He came and baptized the eunuch, then he disappeared and appeared. There's all these great things, and then dead silent. And there's the thing. For me, when I look at this, because when I hear some things about Philip again, when I look at this, this is what comes to mind for me. Real Christians don't need a stage or a Sunday worship to serve God. Real Christians don't need a stage to witness about Jesus. Real Christians can witness about Jesus anywhere, in the quietness of their homes, in the quietness of their neighborhoods in the quietness of where God has called them to be. The props that we have, that we have to help us in worship, to help us hear scripture read together, preach together, the props that we have here are great, but they don't make it. They don't make the power that is in God's word and sharing and being a witness to what God has done for us. My question to you is, in your witness, do you talk like a Christian even when you are away from church? Do you post online like a Christian when nobody's watching? When nobody's clapping or looking or praying loud, do you still serve God? When you are not in the spotlight, do you still serve God? When I'm not in the spotlight, do I still serve God? That's the question. That's what we see in Philip. Does he still witness? Yes, Philip does. In these 20 years that we don't hear about anything, God doesn't change. He's still the same. God is still using Philip because Philip is obedient. Real Christians do what they do whenever, whether somebody's watching or not, because to them the only important audience is Jesus himself. He's the audience that counts. And I encourage you as you go and be a witness you might not know that people are watching you, but people are watching you. There's a song that we used to sing as kids back home when I was a child. It used to say, I am a, I am a ladder 
a letter that's, that's written all over. I've got words all over me. Wherever I walk, people are reading. And they read this letter that is written. Whether it's written in a bad way or it's written in a good way, people still read. That's our witness. And I want to encourage us as Broadway as we go out, can we be a letter that has written the good news about Jesus? In our walk, in our conduct, and in our families. I'm going to come back again to family. Last part that we see of Philip's uh, witness is in Acts 21, 8 to 10. This is, Paul, this is um, now during Paul's time. And Mark is writing here. And Mark says, And the next day, when we of Paul's company departed, we came to Caesarea, and we entered to the, in the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and we abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy, and we tarried there many days. It's not a mistake that Philip is then called an evangelist. He started not being called an evangelist, he was called as a deacon. And because of his obedience, the gift of evangelism is given to him later and he becomes an evangelist. Not all of us, we are not all called to be evangelists, but we are called to be witnesses. It's not about standing and speaking to a crowd might be about that one-on-one -on -one conversation with that somebody that God has called you to speak to. And the more, the more Philip did this, the more God grew him. And now we hear him being called Philip the evangelist. We are called to be witnesses, and God can grow that. Philip did not go around seeking the title of being an evangelist. Philip was faithful in what God called him to do, and God used that to grow his ministry and give him this gift. But also Philip did not just become an evangelist to the world. It's not by accident that somebody raises four daughters that are virgins, that are prophets. It's not by accident. He was deliberate. Maybe... This is me, I don't know. Maybe in these 20 years, he spent time with his family, raising his family and being a witness to his family. But I think, even though it might not just be that, maybe in these 20 years, he still did his evangelistic work, but also he was diligent to show and to witness for Jesus in his own home. This kind of girls that we hear that Philip Daughters that Philip raised are not raised by accident, but by being deliberate. Are we faithful in being deliberate witnesses in our families to our children? When we are faithful in doing that, that's where it starts. That's the Jerusalem. To go to Judea, to go to Samaria, it go to the ends of the world. And then we realize, too, that there is a possibility that Philip's children got a reward for his obedience. Could be. And I want to ask you today that even if you feel that maybe 
my kids, I've done all that I can. This is not a message to condemn you. It's a message to ask you to continue being faithful. God has a plan. God has a purpose. You continue being faithful. He has a plan for each and every person. And he has a purpose for each and every person. But our job and my job and your job as a believer and as a parent is to continue walking in faithfulness. How obedient are you when he calls for you to go? Going does not mean just outside. It means going as well inside in our families. Philip, an example of faithfulness. Philip, a man who was obedient, and God grew that obedience, that small seed of obedience, and made it a great thing. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open, open our understanding for your word to a place where we are confident to start from anywhere in Scripture to point people back to you. Lord, help us to be witnesses, not only outside our homes, but also studying from our homes. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful with the legal that you have given us so you could grow it and use it further to further your kingdom. We thank you and we give you praise. And I pray, Lord, that today would be a day of deliverance for some. A day that they meet you for the first time. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I go, I just wanted to say, if you are in a place where you have never made that commitment that the Ethiopian made, if you have never made that connection and you believe in your heart, but you have never said that connection and never said that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, you've never had an encounter with Jesus, I encourage you today to consider that. I encourage you today to consider, and if you are, if there is searching in your heart, if there, if there is some unsettledness in your heart as I speak about this, it might be you that the Lord is talking to and is asking you to come home because he loves you. He died for you. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. You don't need to clean yourself up first. He wants you just as you are. And I encourage you that as we sing, if you are that person, if you are here in this room, you can come to the side of the altar. One of the elders will come and lead you to the saving grace of Jesus.